All right, hi there. Welcome back to the Nicholas Comics Q and A. That was a Fat Boy Slim with "Going Out of My Head," from his debut album "Better Living Through Chemistry," and it's been a pretty gosh darn spicy week here in Comics Land. For instance, I I went back on the uh, Wikipediaocracy forums, which I've been posting on intermittently since around 2019. And I'm not going to name anybody here, and just know that you can find this thread if you look for it. But I'm not going to name anybody, because the fellows over on Wikipediacracy uh, claimed that I was only making this thread because I wanted to uh, turn it into a comic or movie or anything. Um, so, I, you know, I'm not going to read anything from the thread here, because it seems like they, uh, they, want, they want their uh, privacy or something. Um... But I, I've I've been on Wikipediacracy, and it seems like like a forum with a pretty pretty cool motivation behind it. And he even offered in this latest thread to kind of direct some traffic over to them because I think it's very important to be skeptical about you know a, a giant information monopoly like Wikipedia, which is essentially the world's largest resource at this point. But for some reason, my attempts to ki to kind of uh, speak with the fellows over on Wikipediacracy has kind of fallen on deaf ears because for whatever reason they're sort of hostile to, to me even though I'm against Wikipedia and they're against Wikipedia. I've said oftentimes that they really don't know what side their bread is buttered on. Um, it's also worth pointing out that several of their members are uh, Wikipedia admins uh, and, and I made the... Uh, I made the comparison that it's like if there was a vegan forum and uh, a bunch of butchers infiltrated it and then all the threads are about the best way to dissect a pig. It seems kind of counterproductive. Uh, most of the fellows on there seem like well-intentioned people, so uh, it's a good forum. I, I like independent forums. I like uh, hopping on independent forums from time to time. They're a lot better than Reddit, much more well-run. Ever since I uh, broke all ties with Encyclopedia, I've been kind of interested in checking out some small-scale forums, but I've been posting on Wikipediacracy since, like, 2018. They have some interesting threads on there. A lot of the side of Wikipedia that most people don't know about, a lot of the talk page drama and, and his history and edit warring and like that, it can get pretty interesting. That said, we got mini Gus on. You got any questions? Any, any questions uh, concerning Shane of the Undead or any of that? What do you think about tarot? Now, what do I think about tarot? Gosh, that's a good question. I think tarot is a fun hobby. I mean, I I have seen some uh, I've seen some tarot guides over the years. Um, it seems like it seems like a pretty gosh darn cool set of cards. I also like how, of course, uh, the tarot set corresponds to the normal deck so technically you can play like poker or something with tarot cards i think that's pretty cool like solitaire um or blackjack or rummy or any of the 
you know, well-known uh, card games. You can play t uh, that with tarot um, if you know which corresponds to which. I, I think tarot is a pretty fun hobby, and I think it's a lot more interesting than stuff like horoscopes because there's just so many options. With tarot, it's like, you know, you're putting down all these different uh, things. And if I remember correctly, at one point, I, I was planning on releasing a Nicholas comic-themed uh, tarot set. That would have been interesting because you got all those cool designs like the Wheel of Fortune and, and the Fool and whatnot. Um, can't, say, can't say I've ever had my uh, fortune told w with tarot cards before, again, to any, like, uh, fortune tellers. I do remember there was a... Actually, now I think about it, I might have once. Um, maybe not, because I remember I was at this Halloween party once, and uh, there was a fortune teller there, but I remember she had one of those, like, Halloween props with, like, the crystal ball and the big rubber head inside of it that moves around. I have one of those. Uh, but I don't remember if there was any tarot involved. I think there might have been. Overall, I think I think tarot's a pretty neat concept when you get right down to it. A lot more complex than uh, zodiac science or whatever, like I said. Um, a lot more... Uh, a lot more variety to it, and uh, yeah, I think I think tarot is pretty cool. Um, I also like how uh, with tarot you can you can arrange it in a lot of different ways. That's neat. Seems like it seems like a fun hobby. Um, and of course, the designs are iconic. Those are probably the biggest draw for a lot of people. I mean, just really cool designs. Uh, yeah, I, I think tarot's neat um, overall. Other questions? Anything else? Terra se seems uh, pretty pretty good. Uh, other questions. Hoping to have Kippy on one of these weeks because he can uh, he's going to discuss has been hotel one of the one of the worst cartoons of the past decade. He's a big fan of it, along with Ken Morty and uh, Doll, A lot of a lot of really, really not so great uh, series. And, what do you uh, think's wrong with it? Well, I, I've I've been on this, but I think think that anything with a time loop is just a rip off of Groundhog Day. I think I think there's there's a clear line between like a, a subgenre and just like a ripoff. And I think Groundhog Day has an original premise to the point where uh, any like it, it has such a specific premise that you can't really make original story off the concept of a time loop. Now, Groundhog Day is not the first time loop story, and uh, Kippy pointed this out. Oh, Groundhog Day isn't the first time loop story. There is one time loop story before Groundhog Day, but it's but it's the only time loop story ever before Groundhog Day. It's not like it's not like Groundhog Day was amidst a sea of other time loop stories. It's like Groundhog Day was the only time loop movie that came out. And it's essentially a uh, uh yeah, the first one was twelve oh one PM by Richard A. Lupoff. Because of course uh, you know, uh like 
back in the day, science fiction had to have original concepts. You couldn't just write a science fiction story with the same, the same premise as another science fiction writer. And this is often forgotten today, but like science fiction, at its core, is about presenting stories with a, a given scenario. You see how the characters interact with the scenario. You see how characters interact with this uh, anomalous uh, set of events or set of objects or whatever. And the idea is to kind of put forward a hypothesis as to what would happen, given the, uh, a, a certain set of restraints. So, NPM by Richard Lupoff is one of these very, by the numbers, standardized experimental science fiction stories where you just say, here's a scenario, here's a character, here's how the character interacts with the scenario, here's the cause, here's the effect. Um, that's obviously the, the, you know, the point of it. But then Groundhog Day takes this and it basically adapts it for the big screen. You'd think that'd be the end of it. Then Happy Death Day comes along, and when Happy Death Day came along, I thought it was a fake movie, because it looked that bad. I mean, it's it, it just like, Groundhog Day is such a good movie, it's such a charming film on so many levels, and the arguments I've heard against Groundhog Day are just patently absurd, uh, especially from Kippy, who seems to really be going for Russian Doll, for whatever reason. I've, I've looked at Russian Doll. It does not look like anything special. I really don't think it carries the, uh, the charm of Bill Murray. If Bill Murray isn't in it and it's not directed by Harold Ramis, then frankly, uh, what appeal does it get, you know? Um, doesn't have Chris Elliott, so, like, what, what's the appeal of it? Um, it can't be argues that best time loop stories will have stakes. Like, in other words... Um, you know, something will be introduced where, like, every day, uh, you, you have to, you, when you repeat the day, you can't repeat the days forever, so there's a ticking clock, there's some, there's some obstacle that you need to overcome, and I, I think for the most part, this addition to the time loop subgenre, as some people call it, I, I call it ripoffs, but this addition ultimately misses the point of time loops, which is that Nothing does change in a time loop, and there are no stakes, and that's what makes Groundhog Day amazing, because it's a story about a guy who has literally all the time in the world, and nothing is holding him back from doing absolutely anything, and after enough repetition, he learns that that gets boring eventually, which is a fun plot, and, you know, no, there aren't any stakes except his own limits. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, just saying, hey, you can repeat a day, but also time is progressing as per usual, and what you do will affect what happens next. Then why even introduce a time loop? Because we're still just watching a sequential series of events, and what happens at the beginning will affect what happens at the end. And that's really boring. Um, so it, it takes all the it takes all the appeal of time loops out of it. If there ever is another time loop movie that does it as good as Groundhog Day did it, which is incredibly unlikely because the concept can only be taken so far, you know. Like with time travel, where a character has access to any number of eras and, and periods and possibilities, time loops will always just be set in the same day. 
again and again and again. And that can get boring unless you have someone like Bill Murray to really carry it, you know. Um, so this Russian doll thing, first off, I, th I think anything to do with the Russian Federation is automatically boring. The Soviet Union is just intrinsically a more interesting country to make stuff about. Uh, I just, I just think you, you really can't do the, you can't do the concept right um, after Groundhog Day. I think Groundhog Day does everything with the genre that could possibly be done, the subgenre or the ripoff collection, whatever. Um, there's also Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise, obviously, which is about as different from Groundhog Day as a movie can get. It's not a good movie, and is still just a ripoff of this very basic time loop premise. And it's not hard to tell when something is just ripping off a time loop episode. Uh, another example Kippy cited was uh, an episode of The New Twilight Zone hosted by Jordan Peele, which I've said in the past I am not a big fan of, because I have caught Jordan Peele face just stealing stories that already exist this episode is a ripoff of groundhog day where the premise is that instead of seeing things from the perspective of the person in the time loop we see things from the perspective of the person outside the time loop and it starts off with this lady almost getting hit by a bus and then this this guy saves her from the bus and then he tries and convinces her that he's in a time loop and he'll seduce her, kind of like how Bill Murray does in Groundhog Day. He'll, he'll like, every, every loop he'll learn more about her until he finally is able to, to turn her on and she goes with him. Um, but the, the problem with this, right, is that if he hadn't pushed her out of the bus, she would have just died. And also... The episode ends, and I haven't seen it myself, but given the description, this is probably what Jordan Peele thinks, like, good writing is. It, it, when the episode ends, the lady is like, you suck, and my next iteration in the next time loop will be able to tell you off, and you'll never get me. But, like, she's not the one in the time loop, so he will eventually be able to seduce her, because she, she'll have no idea she and, she and him previously met. It's just inevitable. I mean, he's infinitely stuck in a time loop, so eventually uh, he'll be able to seduce her to the point where she's she's turned on by him. Because if you have infinite chances to seduce someone, then you you, you pretty much can. Um, and that's just how time loops are, you know. Um, so th that episode of Twilight Zone sounds really frickin' bad. But then again, the the new Twilight Zone has never been one for uh, originality or anything like that. And I think it's it's absurd to say that, like, hey, you're in a time loop, but I, I can change the course of events. Like, no, you can't, because the next iteration of you won't be you. Like, sure, maybe this version of the lady just tells the time loop off, the time looper off, and he goes away, and she never sees him again because he's in the next time loop now. So, so what? It's just like telling a normal misogynist off. Uh, there's, there's, no, there's no meat on the bone there. Um, but for some reason, Kippy seemed to think that this was, like, the most innovative premise of all time or something. Even though, like, pushing a woman out, out from in front of a bus, I mean, heck, you know, she, she'd at least, like, be grateful, because otherwise she would have died. Um, so that's just kind of stupid. 
what what are your thoughts on Russian Doll? I, I keep hearing about it and like, man, those other those other time loop things like Happy Death Day, those are bad. But Russian Doll, this is great. Um, can't can't say how, can't say how it is, but I don't think I've seen a time loop plot that wasn't in Star Trek. That wasn't in Star Trek. Yeah, but there are there are some in Star Trek, right? Which which ones are there? Um, um, I I don't know really. I remember there was one on Stargate. There was a time loop plot on Stargate. I think they were just uh, taking it from Star Trek. Obviously, Star Trek usually has the most interesting premises. Um, I, I can't say I hate the Star Trek uh, time loop episode. I think it's a next gen. Um, you know, just because I mean the writers on Star Trek are good. Also because. A lot of Star Trek uses concepts and ideas that are somewhere else, you know, in some shape or form. But ultimately, I think Star Trek is good because it's not an anthology, and you can kind of, you know, say, you know, how how would how would they go with this? How how would this play out? I th I think any Star Trek time loop episode is probably fine. But uh, the the ones after Groundhog Day, that's that's where it's. Oh yeah, cause and effect. Cause and effect is really good. Um, ca cause and effect is great because it's it's actually really good. Uh, but Russian Doll and all these are just just insufferable. I, like I say, I haven't seen Russian Doll, but I don't think. Uh, a, a version of Groundhog Day where the main character is this emo Russian lady and she meets a hot, muscled guy is going to be as charming as Bill Murray. I don't think... I Like, that's like trying to make a remake of, like, Tommy Boy or something with, like... Like, Timothy Chalamet as Tommy Boy. It's It's not going to work. And Groundhog Day not only works as a great time loop movie, it's also an incredible comedy. Here in the chat, Fiona says, there's a game with a level where you have a kind of time loop, but you actively to switch between the kind of start and end of it, and you use that to navigate the puzzles and fight some enemies. I'd say time loops lend themselves well to, like, video games, because... Now, obviously, multiple lives and stuff have been a staple of the medium since its inception. I think it can only go so far in uh, in a movie or, or show format. I think uh, I, I think Happy Death Day is a good example of just a complete uh, just take taking taking a premise that originally sounds kind of cool on paper, just making it absurd. It's also not character-driven, really, in the video game, so there's that difference. Yeah, I'd say part of the fun of a of a time loop is that you can, you know, you can uh, can change things, and uh, like this, like this Twilight Zone episode says. I don't even really want to call it Twilight Zone episode because that implies some kind of quality, and uh, the the new Twilight Zone is complete trash. But. Uh, I will say that, like, one of the arguments that I get was like, well, Phil Connors is irresponsible in Groundhog Day because he 
does shitty things and in the quantum universe where there's an infinite number of possibilities there are versions of him that are suffering it's like in groundhog day there's not a quantum universe there's not infinite possibilities there's one timeline there's one set of events and we follow the phil connors that lives in that sense it's almost like a, a quantum suicide type scenario because if he if he kills himself the day starts over if he goes to jail the day starts over no matter what he does when he falls asleep or dies the day starts over and that and that's fun um and that and that's why it's a funny comedy because he can do all this shit that normally nobody would be able to get away with he's able to do it because he's in a time loop and his actions have no consequences that's essentially what groundhog day's thesis is about what if there were no consequences to someone's actions and there really aren't any consequences to his actions except he gets bored of it and in that sense he learns the he learns the point of living in a linear timeline that doesn't repeat and that you can enjoy that and that's eventually what gets him unstuck from the time loop however i do think that I do think that the idea of introducing a quantum Type uh, scenario to Groundhog Day is just frankly ludicrous. Like I think, I think the idea of quantum physics and there being multiple uh, universes where different choices are made has seeped so much into into the popular consciousness that people can't even envision a fictional scenario where there are no multiple universes based off people's decisions. Like what if there's just one universe and what happens in it is what happens, which is also equally a, a probability it could just be that these universes we don't see don't exist groundhog day is kind of disturbing in that it implies yeah those universes don't exist there's just this one timeline and if he dies or goes to sleep then the day resets but, uh, the criticism that kippy gave of this was like hey i just made groundhog day disturbing because what what about all the versions who are suffering and it's like yeah but but if I'm caught in a time loop and it keeps repeating, I'm not the one who's I'm not the one who's dead or or dying or bleeding out or whatever. So why does it matter? I'm the version who goes on to the next day. Like, there's there's always a, an infinite amount of hypothetical scenarios. Groundhog Day only follows one version of Phil Connors, who's always the version who moves on to the next time loop. If there is a quantum thing going on, none of it is none of it is seen. Um, so I think that's mainly the the most ridiculous criticism against Groundhog Day. Like, dang, Phil Connors is so irresponsible. Like, yeah, that's the point of the movie. That's what the movie is about: irresponsibility. Um, obviously, a lot of a lot of uh, political correctness has also been heaped onto it. Like the thing about uh the thing about um how like phil at one point tries to figure things out about about uh you know the the romantic interest of the movie but i'd say the difference bet between that and this twilight zone episode where the time looper is presented as like a real creep who who uh just stalks this woman is that Phil is shown to have an interest in her before he enters the time loop. And I'd say that using the time loop to learn her interests is just the same as 
asking her friends what she likes or whatever. Um, and also, she she does like them in the end, so uh, n nothing too wrong there. I, th I think Groundhog Day is the kind of movie that will always hold up. I mean, it's it's over t it's from the flipping 90s. It do, it, it 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 never feels outdated. It's completely timeless and for a movie about repeating timelines, I'd say that's appropriate. But uh Groundhog Day gets way too much flack and its rip-offs get way too much praise and I think that it really sucks cuz it is one of Bill Murray's funniest movies. Uh, it, it's it's a serious jam. Anyhow, uh, next question. If you were going to, like, build a gallery that had all your, like, work in it, how would you, like, lay it out? What kind of gimmicks would you have? Oh, that, that's, that is a good question. I, I have been to several art, art galleries and art exhibitions in the past. I was at one at the uh, Denver Art Museum once, which was entirely about flowers, and they had like these, uh, they had these like perfume dispensers in the walls at one point where you could like uh, smell the artwork. So cool gimmicks like that obviously add a lot to the experience of a uh, gallery presentation. And while I can't say I, I see my work being displayed in any of the uh, Denver Art Museums. Anytime soon, I'd say it's definitely a possibility around like 2050 or 2040 or so. Obviously, at one point, I will be considered one of the greatest stars Denver has ever seen. You got the Clifford Still Museum, probably won't be exhibited there, because it's all about Clifford Still, uh, who isn't even from Denver, which is a real shame, because, I mean, there's some great Denver artists, but... I would probably say, if there was a Nicholas Comics art-type exhibit... Uh, I probably wouldn't put comics in it. I'd probably put some of my more obscure stuff, because I feel that, uh, you know, a, a, a gallery-type exhibition really has the uh, power to kind of, uh, you know, expose people to some stuff they may not have been aware of before. Like, a lot of art exhibitions have stuff that you can't really find anywhere else, or, you know, rare pieces... Uh, stuff for sale, obviously. I've been to, I've, I can't say I've been to many more art exhibitions than the flower one, but I have been to a lot of places where there were paintings for sale and the like. And uh, the main appeal of them always is that, you know, they're, they're very exclusive and very uh, uh, hot items. And I think also part of the appeal is that you can buy, buy some. So I'd probably exhibit some of my really obscure type work, and there is a, a lot of it, make no mistake. There is there is a lot of work out there that, I mean, I it's, it's just a bunch. I mean, I was so prolific around 2010, 2012. I was putting out, like, you know, different stuff every day. So I think, I think overall, I'd probably lay it out as like a kind of linear narrative. Obviously, I think the best art exhibitions have kind of a, a story going on to them, kind of a progression of events where you start out in one section and end, end up in another section. Obviously, the organization of, it, of an exhibit is very important. How everything is laid out, uh, whether there's an audio guide or a video guide, or whether you hire uh, people to guide everyone around or uh, like that. So, yeah, I'd say art exhibition is kind of a, it's an underappreciated type of experiment that, you know, kind of people have to 
people have to think about. Um, it's it's a very experimental type type of gambit. It it takes it really does take its own type of skill. I've seen a lot of interesting setups like um I've seen I've seen tables with like books on them and stuff. You can like flip through the book. I've seen obviously there's some art exhibits where like some of the art can be photographed and some can't and you have to decide which which can be photographed and 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 not and like there's also security guards around all the time not only to like dissuade people from stealing the paintings but also like just to check what it, what everyone's uh, photographing cuz like if if you if you're taking a picture of a painting that says it can be photographed and you got like the edge of a painting that can't be photographed in there then you got to they'll like come up to you and tell you to erase it it hasn't happened to me, but I did see quite a few security guards going around the flower exhibit I was at, uh, kind of telling everyone, like, dang, you can't take the, this picture of this painting because um, you got this painting in there on the on the corner or whatever. So very, very stringent rules, obviously. Um, I don't know if that's exclusive to the Denver Art Museum. There, there are a lot of less uptight uh, type art, art exhibition gallery type things around. Obviously, there's, uh, I mean, Denver has a bunch of, of art museums, which, which I find strange because there aren't really that many, many like, local artists that get a lot of notoriety or, or prestige, you know. I mean, there's tons of, like, graffiti and murals and stuff, but most of it is just, you know, on, on is, is graffiti and don't really go on like canvases and exhibitions in the Denver Art Museum, which like I would I would absolutely pay for an exhibition which is just like the street art of Denver because it's its whole thing. Like there's an entire subculture out there of like you know different marks and stuff. Personally, I think I think a lot of the areas of Denver are really like coated in graffiti, and it does add a lot of flavor to the city. Um. There's a lot of museums. Most of them just have, like, indigenous art, which doesn't make sense, because sometimes it's not even nude. It's, like, Cherokee or something, you know, from a tribe that isn't even from Colorado. Um, and a lot of times there's, like, Monet, obviously. I've seen a couple Monets. Um, you know, some Picasso, some Van Gogh, obviously. I've seen I've seen some of theirs um, up close. Uh and I remember some kind of cubist painting of like card players or something that was interesting. But if I if I was to ever make a Nicholas Comics exhibit, I would be sure to hype it up as much as possible. Might not be at the Denver Art Museum. I feel the Denver Art Museum is kind of overrated as far as art museums go. There's a lot like in the uh, Santa Fe district that don't get as much uh, clout and I think um, if I ever had an exhibit, I'd probably go for one of the smaller museums because I think they, you know, they need, they deserve a little exposure. And I think by uh, lending some of my more obscure work to them, they could could really get helped out in the process. Um, I like the I like the Denver Art Museum. It's it's an okay facility as far as they go, and I do feel that the structure of the art museum is hyped up a little too much. Like, yeah, sure, it's a triangle. So what? You know, it, it's not amazing or anything. It's architecturally possible. 
obviously you have the big broom outside. The big broom is cool. I like the I like the broom mainly because it's the only thing you can see for free. I see the big broom all the time, and I'm like, oh, the big broom, I like it. Um, but yeah, I I I can't say the Denver Art Museum is like the best art museum in in Denver or anything. It's not. Um, also, I think this this new hotel they opened up, the Art, is just an absurd concept. Like, it has, like, 50 paintings in it. Like, you you don't go to a hotel to enjoy art. It, it's a different thing. So, like, why open up a, a hotel just for people who are just, just want to see the Denver Art Museum? It's really stupid. Um, That's just a really stupid concept. But uh, overall, I think uh, I, I'd definitely be open for an exhibition. next question is an interesting question I, I haven't really considered public exhibitions but I've been to some and they usually turn out well what do you think about like art colleges I think about art colleges uh, I mean I can't say I, I can't say I'm fundamentally against the notion of art colleges or art education. I think it is very important for people to be educated about the history of art and really the techniques. I don't think there is a technique to art. I, I don't think you can learn to paint good. I don't think you can learn to draw good. I think either you either you're born being a either you're born with a good hand-eye coordination or you're not. I mean, hand-eye coordination is probably the most important trait in whether you can draw well or not. Like, if you know how to move your hands in such a way as to make something that's aesthetically pleasing, then you're destined for success. But if you're not, then you're not. That's perfectly okay. Hand-eye coordination is a genetic trait. Um, and if you're not that good with it, then odds are a, a class at an art college won't really improve it. I think art colleges are nice if they, uh, you know, provide resources and accessibility to art. I think that's that's a, a service that they definitely provide. Um, I, I mean, I can't I can't really speak on how well they educate because the only art education I've ever had has been from incompetent morons who have no idea what they're talking about. I mean, I've had I suppose I've had some some decent art teachers, but. I've just been like useless, like completely, completely antithetical to the creative process. Uh, I remember my my art teacher in like third and second grade, and he always used pencils, which were like, like these pencils had no erasers, and this just ticked me off because up until that point, I always used pencils with erasers because obviously. You need an eraser on a pencil. That's the appeal of, of a pencil, is that you can erase your mistakes if you make any, or you can erase stuff, you know. Um, but in, in this art class, for some stupid reason, uh, the, the teacher insisted that we use these lame pencils, which weren't even, like, better than any other pencils. They just didn't have erasers. And that was freaking insufferable. I don't remember much else about that art class, but that is the one thing I do remember that uh, completely turned me off of that. Because, I mean, when you're drawing something, you're gonna you're gonna make an error every now and again, or a typo, or something. So, 
know, to, to to completely deprive your students of erasers is patently absurd. But I guess it was to to teach us about um, fixing mistakes or something. And I, I was given the explanation. Oh, this is a drawing pencil, and it's like what? You can't use a normal pencil to draw. I think you can. And that was just ridiculous. Also, uh, I have. Uh, in fourth and fifth grade, uh, I actually had a pretty cool art class. It was it was pretty good. We did some uh, lithography. We did some of that uh, wood cutting stuff. That was neat. I liked that. We also had a, an interesting project where he took some crayons, melted them, and dripped the wax over stuff. That was excellent. And of course, that's one of the only times my uh, comic work has been seen in print. Uh, in sixth grade, that was when it really got insufferable, because this was around, I believe, 2013, 2014, sometime around there. Sixth grade... Everything was, was hyped up around the uh, technological aspect of it. This was when, like, Chromebooks were new. And uh, we watched that uh, awful Pixar short, Paper, Paper Man or something, where, like, it's 3D animation, but it's designed to look like 2D animation, but obviously you can tell it's not 2D animation because you can't make 3D animation look like 2D animation. It'd probably look even worse in hindsight. Um, and, and the teacher was just, just this narcissistic maniac, and she was like, Hey, do you want to work for Pixar? I bet you do. And I was like, no, I flippin' hate Pixar, because my opinions haven't changed in like a decade. I hated Pixar even back then. I knew they were full of hacks, and their studio is one of the most corrupt garbage factories and uh, as an artist, I'd never even, like, remotely consider going into that. But she's like, hey, now you watched, uh, you watched a video about how video games are technically art. Would you, like, would you like to be a video game programmer now? And I was like, no, I don't want to be a video game programmer. I want to be a flippin' cartoonist. Um, so that got pretty old. There was the point where, uh, seventh grade, uh, Art class wasn't much. Uh, what was the art class in seventh? I don't even think they're. Oh yeah, I had an art class in seventh grade. It was it was pretty mediocre. I don't remember much about that one. Eighth grade art class. Eighth grade art class was actually pretty okay. Uh, the teacher was was a Chinese lady, and we learned how to paint Chinese uh, characters and stuff, and that was pretty cool. They painted the Chinese characters. He had these big brushes and dipped them in ink and stuff. Also, that's the first time I think I ever used an aerosol can, which was pretty neat. Uh, spray paint is is a neat a neat substance, and I was able to check that out. So that's a plus at least. Um, art class eighth grade was yeah, it was okay. Uh, and then. Uh, I only I only had one art class after that. I think it was my first year of high school, ninth grade. Um, there was an art class, and it was hosted by this complete, like, comp. I don't think I've ever seen an art teacher more incompetent. Like, uh, the other the other the other two I I said with the like obsession with technology and the pencils that didn't erase, they were bad. But the the high school one was the flippin' worst. She had no idea what she was talking about. 
she she had no experience in art, no no background in the field, um, and the the curriculum was was just insufferable. She she did not understand how art art was created or anything. And I I complete like I I I left the class after I think one semester because it was just so bad. And uh, I think at one point I was like forced to apologize to her or something. I don't remember. It was a big a big thing. I don't even think I ever insulted her. It was just like. You, you, I'm not sure you, you, you know what you're talking about, and um, I was like forced to apologize. I don't really remember the specifics. I do remember once, um, she said to draw something with texture, so I did draw something with texture, and then she's like, "This doesn't have texture." I'm like, "You blind? It has texture." Like she, she give stupid challenges like. Can you draw this many cubes in five minutes? Or like, here, today we're going to learn about stippling, which is where you take dots and shade things with dots. And obviously I know what stippling is, and I know how to do it, but she's like, come on, let's stipple for five minutes straight. Just just put those dots on there. da 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 And it was insufferable and gave my hand a giant cramp. One time, and this was probably the worst of it, uh, she, like, I, I, I fell backwards on my chair, because for some reason art classes never have normal, normal chairs. They always got these little stools. I guess it makes them quirkier or something. But I fell back off my stool, and the entire table falls on my forehead. I got this giant goose egg, um, just a giant concussion, practically. It wasn't a concussion, just a goose egg. But, uh, she comes up, and she starts questioning me, like I have flippin' amnesia. Obviously, I was the only one in the class with like Asperger's, so she she treats me like a like a flippin' uh, in con like I like I was uh, having an out of body experience or something. I wasn't having an out of body experience, and I and I had no memory loss. But for some reason, like I assume it's it's just a safety protocol or something. But it's incredibly condescending to have a table fall on your head. And uh, the teacher's first reaction is, "Dang, we better send you to the nurse and get you some, get you an ice pack." But like, hey, do you know what your name is and where you live and shit? And it's like, she, I guess she thought that like amnesia works how you see it in the cartoons or something. But like, that was just one of the most incompetent experiences I ever had. Um, she says she said obviously uh, to cover her own ass that she knew how to deal with students with Aspergers. I don't think she knew how to deal with students without Asperger's, so I doubt she knew how to deal with students with Asperger's. Uh, like, half the class was just copying these intricate, like, Gordian knot-type patterns off the board. And um, I didn't know it back then, but I, I kind of have bad vision when it comes to things that are far away. And I, did, I wasn't prescribed any glasses or anything, so this was just, like, a complete waste of my time copying things off the board and they they usually weren't even that hard they were just like draw this cube with this side dark and now draw another cube with so-and-so side dark and it, it didn't improve my artistic skills at all uh, that's i'd say that is i'd say the danger of art classes a lot of them are taught by incompetent people um 
not to say that other classes aren't taught by incompetent people. Like, for instance, I had I had an anatomy teacher who didn't understand how air pressure worked, and uh, I told her so. And then I had to apologize to her because apparently she was uh, immune from criticism, even though she was completely wrong about how air pressure worked. Um, so there was that. I mean, she's an anatomy teacher, but I expect her to know the fundamentals, at least, of air pressure, because we're talking about the respiratory system. Uh, as for art colleges, I really can't say they're, they're bad. Like, if someone is interested in that kind of thing, then by all means. Um, I think art colleges are probably the best type of college out there. They're great for, like, if you want, if, you, if you're going into a field that requires a lot of expertise, like graphic design or something like if you if you draw designs for products or whatever um but essentially for for comics no nobody needs nobody needs that and uh no i'd say overall i think i think you can probably learn a lot of techniques from books especially since like in books you know you can really have the the strategies illustrated out for you um and again, like I said, art is, art isn't about technique. Um, there there is no technique that makes someone's art better. I find it so sad that people these days seem to think that only good art is like if it has good, great perspective and great shading. And also, someone once told me that you can't have art without color. Color is an important factor of art. Like there's some kind of algebraic equation that can create the, the the most interesting piece of art. There just isn't one. Different things appeal to different people, and there's plenty of black and white art out there. Every Ansel Adams photograph is black and white. Ernica's uh, black and white. There's plenty of stuff out there that's considered some of the best art of all time and is entirely monochromatic. Um, but I guess these fellas just weren't aware of that. They think that, you know, art is all about just mixing pigments and stuff, which it's absolutely not. Um, so that's just ridiculous. I, th I, think, I think black and white is cool, because with without the, the limitation of no color, you have to come up with other ways to make your work visually appealing, and that manifests itself in some really interesting type patterns, and optical illusions and the like. And I've seen some excellent black and white choreography over the years. There, there is, there is a certain type of, uh, you know, stuff that will lend itself to black and white uh, films and photos more than color photos. They, they both have their own technique to them, if you will. I've seen a lot of stuff in black and white that's more fun to look at than a lot of things in color. Um, but maybe that's just because these days, you know, um, black and white stuff is considered old-fashioned, uh, even though it's not. There's still plenty of people who exclusively go in, in, into black and white. I think also part of it is that you got, like, Kashi 6 9 and those flashy album colors where he's, like, pissing rainbows. Um, so that probably contributes to the youth's perception of the importance of color in art in some way. Not that an art college would ever say uh, color is necessary. Um, I don't think an art college would ever make such a, a grand claim. 
I do think that most of these people who, who say that I my art is bad or whatever have not been to an art college, because if they had, they'd, they'd realize that art really has no, no techniques. And I think art colleges probably are better than most, uh, you know, public art classes from like K through 12, because most of the ones I had were pretty substandard and taught me nothing and uh, had no effect on my art. I think uh, just the art I looked at over the years had a greater effect on my art. Um, nothing against art colleges, though. I think they're a fine institution, and I think they're definitely, obviously, my favorite type of college, because I think art education can be nice in moderation, but nobody should go into an art college expecting to come out like the next, you know, Picasso or something, because... Ultimately, you can't produce good art unless you have drive and motivation and you're willing to go the extra mile and you actually care about it. Um, if not, you're, you're not going to be able to make such good stuff. Uh, anyway, next question. Questions this week. Do you consider yourself like a postmodernist? I consider myself a postmodernist. I'd say that uh, postmodernism is a very specific branch with its own uh, kind of classifications and rule set. And I'd say that while some of my stuff can be classified as postmodern, not all of it can. Some of it is just modern. Um, a lot of it is kind of postmodern, though. I'd say that as we as time moves on, um, the concept of modernity will eventually just give way completely to postmodernity. Um, a lot of my stuff could be could be considered postmodern. Um, that I think I think it the term is overused, so I don't think everything can be classified as as postmodernism. I think some of it certainly falls into that type category. I, th I think I think modernism is becoming a, a less appreciated art form as time goes on. And that's kind of sad, because there's a lot of people in the modernist camp who, whose work I, I do respect. Um, I think, I think Dadaism's a neat, a neat branch. Um, Impressionism, obviously, that's pretty cool. Dadaism's probably the, the most fun, though. Uh, you know, I, I, I think Dadaism was kind of like the... laid the groundwork for what postmodernism is today, but I think... I think postmodernism is, you know, something that really can't be applied to everything. Uh, that said, yeah, I do think some of my stuff is postmodern. A lot of people uh, tend to classify my stuff as like. I don't really know. I think. I think a lot of people don't really understand style. There are a lot. There are a lot of people who are very stringent about the like rules of art and what art can and can't be. Like a while back, someone on the server was like, "Oh no, I don't like this art. Therefore, it must be bad." Um, or, or just like a very entitled perspective. Like, "Oh no, experimentation in art. I can't handle this." I for I forget who it was, but. I mean, I, th I think art is all about experimentation. As, as time goes on, it's just going to get weirder and weirder, so people may as well get used to it now. Um, I've pointed out uh, time and again that one of the chief attributes of fascism 
and the Nazi regime in particular is the censorship of art that the Nazi party didn't approve of. They had a whole exhibition about art they didn't like, and this is ultimately counterproductive, and it goes to show just how much, like, just what a shit take they had on art, because Hitler was a really bad artist, and as a result, he just got pissy about it. He's just like, well, my art is better than your art. I think, I think, I think, th I think the uh, role of art in uh, in the Third Reich is is not amped up enough. I think, I think, I think Hitler was just like a a, a piss. It's just he was just like a, a a prep school, like, and he went to an art college, and and he was so into technique. You look at one of his paintings, and it's like, yeah, it's competent. It's nothing amazing. Like, compared to Van Gogh and Picasso and flipping, you know, Salvador Dali, all his contemporaries, it's nothing. Like, I look at, I look at a Hitler painting, and it's just, it just looks like he cared too much about making it look like a realistic landscape, shading in all the windows, crossing all the T's, and dotting all the I's. And at the end of the day, that's not what art is about. But obviously, a bunch of museums were like, no, we don't want your shit. It's really boring. And he's like, "Oh dang, I'm gonna start a, I'm gonna start a political party now where I can burn all the art I don't like." That's a main attribute of fascism, right there. You you, you don't understand that other people have different tastes in art than you. I've said quite often that I have an I I look at the world objectively, which is to say that. I, I I am incapable of understanding how someone could like something I don't like, uh, but that isn't to say that they don't like it or that the world uh, is that the world isn't subjective. Only that I can't understand a subjective viewpoint. I can't understand something I think of as bad actually secretly being good, for whatever reason. Uh, that doesn't mean that I I. I can't accept that the world isn't how I perceive it. That's absolutely a possibility. Um, and I think one of the one of the main uh, attributes of uh, fascism is not being able to like other art. I think postmodernism definitely struck a nerve back in the Third Reich because it was just it was just so so new and and, and hip, you know. And and uh, obviously, a lot of Nazi ideas harken back to like medieval times and. And old shit, and you know, postmodernism completely put a dent in that. Um, there's a lot of great postmodernist stuff out there. I, I can't say all my stuff's postmodern, but some of it could definitely fall under that umbrella. Uh, a more recent development, of course, is the development of like post and meta irony. Um, and I, ca I can't say I'll, e I'll ever be much into any of that because I think, th I think, I think insincerity gets kind of cloying and old after a while. And if that's one of the things Gen Z is known for, then, you know, I mean, count me out. I, I don't like insincerity. That gets old. But postmodernism's fine. Post-irony um, is kind of cloying. That's why I don't like J-Reg, because uh, all his stuff revolves around being just a, an insincere weirdo, and I think that gets old after a while. Uh, postmodernism is definitely a nice movement, and I think it's nice that it's stuck around for so long. Your next next question.
halfway through the uh, Q and A here. Obviously, I'm gonna I'm gonna be asking a trivia question here at the end. Free comic. Uh, any other questions? Anything else? Some good questions this week. I gotta say. Never thought about putting my stuff in an exhibit, but I guess if I was ever asked to, I would. Any um progress to report on your recent work? Yeah, Shane of the Undead is uh, about halfway through, and I think at the pace I'm going, it should definitely be ready by Halloween. Shane of the Undead, of course, is a parody comic of uh, Shaun of the Dead, which is a movie that I have an intense dislike for. I think that's the purpose of parody at the end of the day, to make fun of things you don't like. Um, I looked I looked at the trailer for 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 uh, Shaun of the Dead. It, it, it did not look like a funny movie. It looked like one of the most cringe uh, things I've ever seen. And people often say to me whenever I make a parody, oh, making a parody of a parody... I'm really not. I'm making a parody of Shaun of the Dead. And people say Shaun of the Dead is like a parody of zombie movies. Um, but it's really not, or at least not any one zombie movie in particular. Um, it, it, it's just like, what if there were zombies, but they were British? And what if a zombie invasion happened in Britain? Which, on a, on a basic level, is not an interesting premise, because Britain does not have that much of an effect on the world at large, whereas if, if a zombie invasion happened in America, that'd be big news. Also, because George A. Romero invented zombies, and he's American, and all the good zombie movies are American, with, with the possible exception of Rabbit with Marilyn Chambers, which is technically Canadian. Um, I think that Shaun of the Dead's a really bad movie, so it'll be fun to, it'll be fun to spoof it, uh, come Halloween, it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'll probably be giving away a free copy on a Q&A or something once it comes out. Uh, it has really great art. A lot of the people who claim that I that my art isn't good uh, should take a look at my recent stuff, like Rubbish Randy and whatnot, because it, it's a serious upgrade over college buddies. Now, a, a lot of morons have asked me, why don't you redraw college buddies, but... Give the college buddies normal bodies instead of stick figures, and to that I just gotta say, first, stop stop hating on the college buddies just because they're skinny. Get over it. But also, College Buddies is a comic from 2019, or 2018, technically. So, like, there's no point in redrawing it two years down the line just because some moron doesn't understand that it's a product of its time. It was made when it was made. And I'm not going to be redrawing it just to reflect how I how I draw now with slightly more details. Um, you know, that's just how art works. Over time, after drawing enough stuff, you improve naturally over time. It it, it happens. It's it's a natural evolution. But um So like yeah, my stuff now is a little more detailed than college buddies. But college buddies is still funny. It's still a great series. And I'm not going to disown my older work just because I, I, I draw slightly better now. I mean, it's still, it's still great art, and it still, it still reflects, you know, my, my, my sensibilities. I mean, I, I don't change my viewpoints that often or anything. Um, so I've had some push for like, hey, why don't you re-release College Buddies but in color? 
Or why don't you re-release college buddies, but give Bob Rob and Snob real-type bodies with full hands? And, like, no, that'd be fucking nightmarish. They're not supposed to be like that. They're drawn as stick figures, and they're gonna stay stick figures. And if these fellas don't like it, then they can buy Rubbish Randy or something, which is a comic with more detail. There's still stick figures in there. Because I believe in creating a wide cast of characters in a wide range of styles and with different attributes and characteristics. I like making my characters diverse in that regard. But uh, a, a lot of people just can't seem to accept that. So, Shane of the Undead's coming out. Also, the Divine Tapestry is still underway. Uh, I haven't scanned in a page of it yet, but I'm planning... And the thing that'll make the Divine Tapestry different is usually when I draw a comic, I staple it first, so I can kind of see where all the pages are at and everything, and then I, uh, and then I draw on the pages and kind of, kind of draw on it as if it was already, uh, in, in like a booklet and stapled and everything. Then I unstaple it and scan in the pages and then restaple it. But, uh, for the Divine Tapestry, I'm trying something different. It's the first time in my, in my, uh, career that I've, actually gone the professional route and just drawn on one side of a flat page and numbered all the pages and then I scan them in and then print them out without any any previous stapling or, or kind of format uh, format planning or you know saying it does this look better on the left page or on the right page because I really don't know uh, which page each page is going to be on also, because the art in the Divine Tapestry is so much more elaborate than anything I've put out up to this point, I feel it's fitting I should give each page kind of its own thing without drawing on the other side of it. And drawing on the other side of the page does lend kind of a charming look to a lot of my comics. Like, for instance, there's a slight amount of bleed through, because uh, graphite does bleed through pages, just like ink. Um... So that's kind of... I always try and erase as much of it as possible to make sure the art's preserved. But it is... It does add a nice little element of human error in there. But for the Divine Tapestry, I'm going the same route that a lot of big-scale comic publishers go, in that they just take a take a page, and they just draw on the page, and don't, you know, staple it or anything. And every page is just flat. And uh, that could turn out interesting. I'm not sure if I'll like that method or not like it, but... Uh, for people who say, don't experiment in my comics, I definitely experiment, like, a whole lot. The Divine Tapestry is a pretty, it's a pretty experimental comic from the ground up. In addition to, uh, you know, uh, taking each page individually, there's also a whole mixed media thing. Some of it is drawn in pencil, some of it's drawn in pen, some of it's drawn in sharpie. There's some photo collage work in there. Very mixed media type comic, which I think is interesting and could lead to a to kind of a cult classic in the Nicholas Comics catalog uh, once it comes out. I'm currently running the Dialogue Contest, and that's the only way anyone's going to win a free copy of the Divine Tapestry, because I'm playing on being around like 75 pages or so. It's going to be a comparatively long comic, so if you want to win a free copy, the only way is to enter the Dialogue Contest, and uh, I'm going to be giving away a free copy here on the Q&A, but... The winner of the dialogue contest will get a free copy of the Define Tapestry. It's going to be a pretty long comic. Shane of the Undead is just kind of a short little 20-page romp. I'm not planning on it being too big or anything. 
mainly just this because I think it's nice to have a palate cleanser every once in a while but between the big stuff and it's nice to return to my kind of roots of just kind of kind of kind of joking around just kind of making fun of a property I dislike obviously in 2020 I did the same thing with Rock and Marcus but Shane of the Undead is really a step up in technique and uh overall aesthetic and everything it's a really it's a really funny comic so far and pages in uh, i'll have 20 page i'll have it'll be 20 pages long by october 31st so keep an eye out for that that's that's exciting um obviously uh, more on medicine is wrapping up the last few episodes of that are coming out i have yet to even begin production on the final episode of more on medicine which will be coming out on new year's eve December this year, and uh, that's exciting. the the end of the end of the show. Foreign um, medicine's pretty good. I uh, someone commented on the new video that I'm a legend and you should keep up the good work. And I have to agree. More in medicine is a, is a good show. Um, all five of the Viceroy Williams double features remain unsold, so that's that's lucky because anyone can still send in for one of those. And I have a second double feature planned soon. Breakthrough and Corny's on the same tape. My lesser known movies, but they're still pretty good. And as always, it comes with some fun little uh, interspersed uh, skits and routines and like that. So that ought to be fun. Uh, I have yet. I, I I still have yet to find a, ta a tape deck that really really uh, fits the bill for recording some of my albums onto tape. Um, I've found. Uh, I, fa I found a tape deck, but it's, like, from the 70s. And I think some of the buttons are not working so great. And it, it, it's a pretty state-of-the-art tape deck, but overall, I think it's just kind of hard to hook up a stereo or speaker to it or anything. It's hard to tell if it's playing. And uh, I don't know how to input audio to it, which is a big problem, because there isn't a headphone or microphone jack or anything on it. From the 70s, obviously, before those became commonplace, so I don't know how to input or output anything. There's no VGA holes. I think there's, like, just one auxiliary input thing, and it's very, uh, very, very tricky to figure out. I'd need a lot of specialized equipment to use it. Eventually, I hope to get, like, a, like a 90s Sony tape deck, because Sony was pretty good in the 90s. I, I have a I have a Sony Walkman from the '90s. Excellent state-of-the-art equipment. So probably, probably go with a, a a more modern type tape deck that I can you know has a microphone and headphone jack, some AV cables because I have a, a, an AV to HDMI com converter, uh, which I use for transferring stuff to, to VHS. I find it. I find it ridiculous that I mean I've I found a way to transfer stuff to VHS before I can even transfer it to compact cassette, um, but I do plan on having some of my albums out on tape soon, which should should be fun, because compact cassette's a great format, and uh, not enough not enough people give compact cassette the praise it deserves. I've often said that the only two formats anyone really needs for video and audio or VCR. VHS and uh, compact cassette that pretty much holds up. I think everything else is extraneous. I do believe in the importance of having a diverse format market. I think competition's important, and if someone wants to listen to their stuff on eight track or 
watch their stuff on Betamax, then so be it. But I think overall VHS and a compact cassette are as good as formats can possibly get. They're convenient, uh, they're easy, uh, you just press play and they start playing, there's no flashy gimmicks, they're just literally like boxes with stuff on them that you can access instantly, which is about as convenient as it gets. Uh, so yeah, I plan on transferring some of my albums on, onto tape soon. Uh, and of course, oh, this was the other thing. I I tried a fun experiment where I where I uh, send some fun portraits and some fan mail to like five random celebrities who I pretty much picked out entirely at random, um, and I mailed them some fun some fun little caricatures and a, a self-addressed stamped envelope, and the idea is that they can either keep they can either keep the portrait. It'll be part of their estate, and I didn't copy or scan these portraits in any way, so they have complete control over what happens with them. Um, they can either keep keep the portrait, which is perfectly all right, or they can uh, sign it and send it back to me in the SACE, or they can sign it and a photo and send that back to me in the SACE. And uh, so it'll be fun to see who does what. And the, the celebrities currently are Crispin Glover, Joni Mitchell, David Lynch, Roger Corman, and Kurt Russell. My portrait of Roger Corman was pretty awesome, so I, I personally hope he sends that one back. Um, so that, that should be interesting. Um, either, either these will turn out to be like very valuable and rare stuff in these celebrities' estates, or uh, it'll get sent back and I'll probably show them off in a video or something. Photographs are an underrated type hobby because uh, more often than not they do get signed. Be interesting. I think. Also, obviously, enclosing uh, self-addressed stamped envelopes kind of creates the obligation that they should at least send something back because I'm giving them free postage. Um, so maybe they'll just send like a photo back or something. But I think they'll probably sign the portraits and send them back. Be interesting to see again who does what. Uh, and they're they're one of a kind portraits, so that's neat. I'm just kind of a, a little side project I've uh, dabbled into. Uh, the other thing again this week was that I went on Wikipediaocracy, and they still, for whatever reason, uh, don't they don't seem to they don't seem to get the like. I don't like Wikipedia, and they don't like Wikipedia, but for some reason they lock all my uh, all the threads I try starting over there, which is pretty bizarre. Um, I think I think maybe some of them just don't really get, uh, you know, how how to how to really you know uh, speak up against something like Wikipedia or whatever. A lot of them say that I I just don't like Wikipedia because. Uh, like just because they don't have an article on me because obviously I've I'm accused of being a narcissist and that's not the case. I think Wikipedia has a lot of issues which aren't uh, properly addressed. I think it's important to address them and I think it's kind of funny that forum that claims to be the number one Wikipedia criticism forum it doesn't even really hate Wikipedia as much as it purports to. Uh, I had some very, like, basic, really basic insults leveled at me. Uh, over there, like, man, you're a lol cow. It's like, how can I be a lol cow if nobody can manipulate me to do what they want me to do? Like, 
Isn't that the whole appeal of locale culture, that you can milk someone for laughs? I think a lot of people have the uh, r r absurd expectation that autism somehow makes someone really gullible or something, which is not something autism does, to the best of my knowledge. It's not a symptom. Uh, obvi obviously, the only person anyone knows with autism on a wide scale is Christian. Gosh, I hate Christian. The guy has completely ruined comics. He's completely ruined anyone who even tries to start up a, an independent comics co company, autism or not. I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of cartoonists who don't even have autism and they still get compared to Chris Chan. And uh, overall, just a scummy person. With or without autism, he's a moron. I think a lot of people think, Oh, well, Nicholas has autism so we can manipulate him to do shit that he wouldn't otherwise do. And then they come over here. This is a screenshot from someone over on the uh, Encyclopedia server. He was on a while back. He's like... He said this over on the Encyclopedia server before he joins. Now, once he joins, he puts on the uh, front that, Oh, I'm so empathetic towards you and your situation, man. You must be so sad not selling any comics. Why don't you get a real job? Why don't you become a farmer or something? And this is what he posts in the Encyclopedia server before he comes over here. Uh, the most disingenuous moron I've ever seen. He says, Looking over this Nicholas character, it seems like prime lolcow material. He even looks like a skinny Christian. I've had some people say I look like a skinny Christian. I've had some people say I look like an even gayer Christian, which I I don't see how that how that makes any sense because I'm not gay. I'm asexual. They're two different things. Uh, then obviously catch on to this fellow's ruse, and I insult him for all he's worth, and then he goes back to the encyclopedia server and whines about it like, what an immature. Meanie, he doesn't like me. I, I thought I could manipulate him, but as it turns out, I can't tell him to do wacky shit. I thought I could make him wear a funny hat. Uh, but, you know, that's just not how it works. Not everyone with autism is as gullible as Christian. I'd say most people aren't. I'd say with autism, you really have a heightened level of skepticism. Um, on this Wikipediacracy thread, which, again, I'm not going to read out loud, because they said was only trying to use their answers as fodder or something. There was one guy which said something along the lines of like, the only place you should have an article for you is uh, Kiwi Forums. And that's really funny because I have like legitimate fans on Kiwi Forums and I, I don't approve of it. I mean, obviously I think local culture is stupid. I think Kiwi Farms is a fucking stupid site. I have fans on there. I have actual admirers who praise me for my subversion of the kind of tropes typically associated with a lolcow, and they also understand on Kiwi Firms that giving me a thread would just be free advertising, which is what I want. But they're obviously too smart on there to create a thread about me. Not to mention, some of them actually admire me. Which, you know, I can't control who admires me. I don't like Kiwi Firms. I think it's a stupid site. But, uh, they're never going to have a thread on me. And I'm definitely not a lol cow, so that's probably why they don't have a threat on me, because you can't really make fun of me. I um, can't name one time someone's manipulated me into doing something I didn't want to do. Like, it just hasn't happened. And that's what, that's what lol cow culture is all about. Chan would do anything for money or, or, or to 
sell his stupid Sonichu character. He'd freaking he'd he'd freaking tap dance. Not everyone's gonna do that, so you know he's a one he's a one in a million type scenario. I just think that's legitimately absurd that some people are still like, oh, you're a lol cow. I think they're really stretching that term to its absolute limit there. Another fella uh, uh, insulted me because I have my own wiki on, on fandom, which like that's that's what fandom is for to create wikis. Uh, so, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, if, if Wikipedia deems that something isn't notable enough to have an article on it, then there's nothing wrong with creating your own wiki over on Fandom. That's literally what, this, what the site is for, to provide a more niche-type resource for stuff that otherwise wouldn't be covered as much on Wikipedia. Because you know, obviously Wikipedia can't have, like, 100,000 articles on, on everything related to a specific franchise, but that's what Fandom is for, for a more or niche type wiki so I just find it funny that some people actually bashed on me for starting up a, a wiki even though i don't even think i was the one who started it um i just think i kind of just run it now i don't think I, i'm the one who started it. i think someone else started it that's pretty funny uh you know i just hope wikipedia wikipediocracy kind of realizes which side their bread is buttered on but since then, I've been alerted to the presence of yet another forum called Wikipedia Sucks, so I might give that one a try. I think it's important to check independent forums out, because they really are emblematic of probably the best parts of the internet. I mean, obviously not like Kiwi Farms or something, because uh, pathetic and stupid, but there's plenty of plenty of decent forums out there that I've been on from, from time to time, and they really, they really do have the... Uh, you know, authenticity, I'd say, that bigger platforms like Facebook and Reddit lack. So, independent forums are very important. Anyway, that that's about all that's going on currently. Shane of the Undead is going to be an incredible flippin' comic. And, uh, oh yeah, also, I, I've, I've mailed Vietnamese comic companies in Vietnam about adapting Veterans Day Revenge's suite. Just to tell off this, this moron who's been telling me that Veterans Day is racist. And, like, it's not racist. It's very pro-Vietnam. So I think I think Vietnam will really dig Veterans Day. And, like, this moron who was talking shit about Veterans Day was like, Hey, I bet you want to disown Veterans Day. And it's like, no, I'm not going to disown. It's, it's a good comic. Um, now, when this fellow first started calling Veterans Day racist, I was like, why don't you read the whole comic, and then you'll realize it's not racist. They're like, well, no, because I don't support racists with my money, and it's like, you're just making the assumption that the comic is racist, even though you haven't seen all of it, um, and then you won't, you won't buy the comic because you don't support racists? Like, it's so flippin' stupid. But anyway, I've mailed actual comic companies... Uh, three to be exact, three authentic, 100% Vietnam comic companies located in S Saigon and Hanoi, and uh, they're get, they're going to write me back and, and tell me what they think of uh, distributing Veterans Day over there. I think it'll, it, it could be very popular over in Vietnam. And again, I'm very pro-Vietnam. I think absolutely uh, America was in the wrong in the Vietnam War, and I think North Vietnam was in the right. And I think uh, it's very important to make comics about the, the horrible shit that America did over there. Uh, 
I think it'll be a huge hit over in Vietnam, because they were actually the targets of this horrible travesty, and uh, they'll really they'll really like it. Um, so yeah, that's pretty cool. It'll be my first, if, if any of them accept it, which, again, they might not. They might just say, like, we don't want American comics over here in Vietnam, which I would totally understand. Because, uh, again, Vietnamese comics are really underrated. Then again, from what I understand, Vietnamese comics are a burgeoning market, and they might want to they might want to accept uh, something from America to kind of give it some kind of diversity. Um, you know, again, so long as uh, under under a communist system, you're you're not too mean about how communism is, and you're willing to accept that there are other perspectives out there. Fine with it. I'm sure there are a lot of Vietnamese comic companies that would really really enjoy Veterans Day. I haven't sent manuscripts of it out yet, just, just a quick little cover letter, like, should I translate it, or do you want to translate it? Um, and also, you know, I'll send you a copy if you want one for, for free, and you can look it over and check it out. I, I can't imagine there being anything in Veterans Day that uh, would break the, you know, Vietnamese code or whatever. Um, I, I, th I think they'll probably really like it over there. So that that's that's exciting to be able to say uh, I'm distributing a comic overseas for the first time. I've been planning for a while now to like uh, to to translate uh, some of my comics into Spanish, but I probably wouldn't get like a distributor in Mexico or Spain or anything to to distribute those over there because I feel there's there's a large Hispanic and Latinx. Uh, population here in Denver who, you know, I, I want to make my comics accessible to, to those fellows because they're a large demographic here in Denver, and I think uh, translating College Buddies or Dog Like or some of my more popular titles into Spanish could be a lot of fun, and uh, also, you know, I, I, I know quite a bit of Spanish, more than Vietnamese, so that'll be easier and whatnot, and uh, so yeah, that'll come out eventually. That that is again the only uh, alteration I plan on making to College Buddies, unless there's like a 20th anniversary reprint years from now with like a, fan, slightly better covers, maybe like better covers, some some extra behind the scenes features. I'm not going to redraw College Buddies. That's just not that be that would not be cool. That would be that would be just giving up all my integrity. College Buddies is great how it is. It looks excellent. It's very sharp. Again, not as fancy as, like, Shane of the Undead or something, but a, a very decent comic for what it's worth. Especially College Buddies 5, which was drawn later on. Um, but I, I am going to... I'm going to try and start in on some uh, Spanish translations of my comics around probably next year. Um, that that's the only alteration I'd even consider, because I think translating comics is important. I got Bagel Peasant on here. Uh, what What's your question? It's 422. We'll be giving away a free comic, as always, at the end of this one, if uh, that's a, a trivia question. Uh, what What's your, uh, uh, I was just your what's your query? Hopefully if Kippy joined, too. I don't know if Kippy's gonna. I don't know if I don't know if Kippy's gonna hop on. He see, he seems to be like kind of aloof, which is a shame because I think I think a discussion of has been hotel could be 
be really interesting because he seems to just be so big into this garbage cartoon which looks like trash and you know it's 2d animated but i don't give cartoons props just because they're 2d animated it has been hotel is just absurd i'm saving most of my arguments for the one time he does jump on because we'll just say that cartoon about the devil is about as cliche as you can get like that is that is a boring freaking cartoon right there. Like out of all the world mythology, you just go with Satan. Um a character who's the pure embodiment of evil is freaking boring. It's a boring concept. It's been done to death. Like 2000 when little Nicky came out, it was kind it was kind it was kind of not done all that much. But now 2021 people are still putting out cartoons about the devil and thinking it's going to like really ruffle some feathers like i don't you know as an atheist who doesn't believe in god or satan just considers them fictional characters i judge them by the standards i would any other fictional characters it's not just because it's christianity like some other figure from from mythology like you know like for instance like uh, if Theseus was was overused in a bunch of shit, and you just kept hearing about about Theseus again and again and again, which you do with the, with the thought experiment of ship of Theseus. But suppose like the original myth of Theseus, like Jason and the Argonauts. If Jason and the Argonauts was all anyone heard about, it'd be old too. It'd, it'd get boring, which is exactly why stories about Satan freaking boring especially since unlike all the other world mythologies where you have characters with some moral complexity going on god and satan are literally just the pure embodiments of good and evil which is about as cardboard as you can get this isn't to say that there aren't other deities i think are severely overrated um you know i i give i give other deities uh, flack if they're overused to an, an obscene extent like uh, the wendigo i think Wendigo stories at this point are really boring. There's that new movie coming out, Antlers. It looks really boring. This isn't because the Wendigo is a bad character. This is because the Wendigo is an overused character. And there's a lot more interesting shit in Native American mythology. But all of it gets neglected and everything goes with the Wendigo just because he's spooky or whatever. And it gets boring. Um, so there's that. Like, it... It, 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 it has nothing to do with Christianity. I just think the devil is an overused character, or like hell in general. Also, I, I don't get why the main character of the cartoons called freaking Charlie Magni, which I assume is a reference to, to Charlemagne, right? Who's not a Satanist or anything. Charlemagne is the reason the Roman Empire died, because he turned it, he turned it Christian. I don't get how that's supposed to be, uh, uh, like, wh why is this demon woman named after a big, like, Christian figure? That doesn't make any sense. Um, really stupid. Another thing I will say is that, uh, you know, so some, of the, uh, some of the praise of the show is like, wow, you have a gay demon, and you have a 
you have a bisexual demon, and you got an asexual demon, and you got a trans demon, and you got all the types of demons. You got lesbian demons, you got gay demons, it's, it's a very LGBTQ show, but when you kind of think about it, right, and the entire show is about all these demons who are in hell, and they all happen to be kind of, kind of fruity, so that kind of gives the implication that something is wrong with being LGBTQ, and if you are, then you go to hell, which is exactly the narrative that the, that the Christian side has perpetuated for decades. But somehow this offensive shit gets completely overlooked, and, and people are praising a show set in literal hell, set in the literal inferno, the literal punishment for homosexuality, and it's being praised as like, wow, these souls in eternal torment sure are, sure are diverse. It's just ridiculous. And I think, I've said this before, but putting a gay character in something does not automatically make it good. There, there's plenty, there's plenty of excellent queer cinema out there and like gay movies and stuff like, you know, there's, uh, I've said, I've said, uh, I've, I've sung the praises of, uh, I'm a cheerleader. That movie is flipping, not, that, that movie's cool. It's, it's funny, it's topical, it was relevant to the time it was made. Uh, now I see this show, uh, like Love Victor from, from Hulu, where the trailer is just, this, this this teenage kid is like to his parents, Mom, Dad, I'm gay. Oh my gosh, this character has sex with men? This is, this is incredibly groundbreaking. Oh my gosh, this is something new I've never seen before. And, and the, like, it, the dad is like, Dang, I'll have to get used to this. And it's like, what? Get used to what? This kid is like 15. He's probably just entering his romantic phase. Like, he's just hit puberty. Was he? Did he ever, like, pretend to be straight? I really doubt it. Like, it's just the most absurd pandering I've ever seen, especially from Hulu. Really awful streaming service. They seem to be putting out, uh, these days, like, multiple shows at once, trying to pander to every demographic possible. You got you got love victor for for you know let's pander to the gay crowd you got plan b for let's pander to the feminist crowd and then you have reservation dogs let's pander to the native american crowd it just seems like they're trying way 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 too hard and there's better stuff out there that people aren't checking out because there's plenty of good Native American and, and queer and fe feminist cinema out there, but nobody's looking at because there's all this trash, all this exploitative pandering garbage. Love Victor looks flipping ridiculous. It looks like awfulware parody of like a like a lit gay movie because it it just the plot is just that there's a there's a teenager and he's gay. That's, that's not an interesting story that anyone would want to watch for multiple episodes. It's ridiculous. I don't think you can make a show where the whole plot is that, is that a, a guy is gay. Like, there, there's, more, there's more to a story than just who someone has sex with, you know? There's, there's more to it than that. Uh, absolutely ridiculous. What a... 
What a, what, what a ridiculous concept. Uh, but has been hotel falls into that same kind of trap of like, hey, we can't possibly be a bad show if if we pander to every demographic. We got the asexual character. We got the gay character. We got the bi character. And uh, he for some reason really likes the uh, the the gay the the gay mobster character. It's because he's a gangster. Like. Every gangster character pre-Hayes Code was a coded homosexual. Every single one. They were all coded homosexuals, so a gay mobster is nothing new. It, it, it brings nothing new to the table. Every, every famous gangster movie pre-Hayes pre, pre, pre Code, like 1930s, 1920s, around there, Every one of them is a coded, a coded homosexual. Not overtly homosexual, but they're definitely not straight. Like, so, you know, I brought up the point, like, wouldn't it be more interesting to have a, a gay, like, vacuum salesman? Or, like, a gay accountant? Or some profession that hasn't been covered before? Because odds are, someone's profession is more interesting than their sexuality. I it, think it a leads gay to vacuum stories would be interesting. That would be interesting. I would yeah. like to hear the stories of a gay vacuum salesman on the road. A gay mobster, that's some shit that's been done a million times again and again. And again, like, not only is that cliche, but just the idea that, that a, a cartoon set in hell is an original idea is freaking cliche there are so many cartoons set in hell there's an entire there's an entire video that lists like 10 appearances or like 20 appearances satan has had in cartoons over the years i think there's like one video that that says all the all the appearances satan has had in adult cartoons and all the times he's appeared in kids cartoons he's in there plenty too there's no shortage of satan in cartoons he's all the flip over like, why do you think that Cuphead, a video game that is mostly about, like, 1930s-type animation, makes the devil the main protagonist, the main antagonist? Because the devil has been in animation for as long as animation has been around. There are plenty of old cartoons about, about Satan and Hell, and there's plenty of new, newer ones about Satan and Hell. So the idea that Has Been Hotel does anything new anything at all that it has anything to add to the table is completely absurd is it has nothing to say like and now i i just i just think like i don't understand what the motive of the show is cuz ideally a show should offend someone or you know legitimate art does offend people and that's the purpose of it and you know you've succeeded when you when you offend some type of demographic, something. But what is has been Hotel supposed to offend? Is it supposed like I the only person I can imagine getting offended by a cartoon set in hell at this point in twenty twenty one is like maybe a televangelist like Pat Robertson will be like, watch this cartoon. Then again, televangelists also tell you, like, not to listen to Kiss and not to, you know, stuff that completely does not have a Satanist message or anything. Like, and as an atheist who, again, 
considers God and Satan and all this stuff as fictional and hokey as the three little bears, I have no stakes in it. And if there's not a good Satan story, it's not a good Satan story. And the fact it's told in hell, it's trying to be edgy and provocative, doesn't matter to me because none of it's real, so I don't care. Uh, hell is a human construct, as they say. Again, Satanists, also really stupid. I think Satanists are just as stupid as Christians. Um, because there's no reason to worship one imaginary sky deity over an imaginary fire deity. Um, you know, or, or vice versa. But I think, I don't even think Hasbin Hotel has the, has the merit of Satanism behind it. It seems like an insincere product. It's just designed to be like, look how edgy we are. We made a cartoon and set it in hell. You know what? You know what actually be edgy? Making a cartoon and setting it in Auschwitz. And the difference is that Auschwitz is a real place where horrible shit go went on, and hell is a fake place that people made up that doesn't exist where nothing happens because it's not real. So it's not edgy. I don't care. Yeah, so that's 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 mainly my uh, main arguments on, against Hasbin Hotel that I plan on using against Kippy once he shows up. So I'm sure I'll listen to this after it comes out. So those are the sorts of arguments you'll need to be prepared to rebut. Just, just a quick preview of of exactly what I think of the show. Um, it's ludicrous. I have watched the uh, the first episode of it. Everyone tells me you can't criticize something unless you've seen it, and luckily. First episode of Has Been Hotel is free on YouTube. I think there's only like one episode of it because it, it, it takes so much effort to produce uh, an entire half-hour animated cartoon um, and color it in. Uh, like, that that's an obscene amount of effort. For nothing, again, it, it's wasted effort. But I've, I've watched it all the way through. And I can confirm it is one of the worst cartoons I've ever seen. It is... It is, it is unimaginably cringe it, it's ridiculous uh, so yeah uh, awful cartoon R completely complete trash anyway uh, um, it's 4 437 next question oh well uh so Womi actually wanted me to tell you something earlier he, oh, he just want yeah, he just sure. wanted to say that he was nominated for admin on the encyclopedia server that plus four right now, Chris. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I would not doubt it. Encyclopedia is totally going down an alt-right path. Um, it's kind of sad, you know, because I guess, I guess I caught the tail end of Encyclopedia putting out quality content. Um, Womi is very manipulative, and he's very good at clawing his way to the top really, really uh, swaying the opinions of everyone around him to make them think that he's this great, noble uh, murderer who's, oh, I'm such an empath. I I really feel sympathy for you, even though all I do is shit on you, and, I, and admittedly, all I want to do is manipulate you because you're a lol cow. Um, again, just a very weak, just a very weak guy, and I don't think he has a shred of integrity in him. Then again, I've left Encyclopedia because I do have integrity and I can't in good conscience associate myself with, with uh, you know, anything that's going to, like, have fellows like that at the helm. Because he is just, he's just off the flipping rails. Like, when the, when the Christian thing happens, 
He's like, hopefully the same thing doesn't happen to you. It's like, if you think everyone with autism is prone to incest and freaking crimes against humanity? No, that's just Christian. He's just one person. Homie does not understand how autism works. He think he thinks autism's a mental illness. I have no idea why Kippy keeps hanging over there, because all all they tell him is that he's mentally broken, so that must be an exhausting experience for him. Um I mean, yeah, no surprise. Womi Womi gets the big nomination and now he's gonna be an admin on there. And uh, you know, zombie baron's off and everything and I guess I caught the end of, like, Encyclopedia being actually funny. Now they've just devolved into being a, a cringe a cringe cartel over there. I, I, can't, I can't be on a site where it's led by someone who makes this many offensive freaking comics about uh, mental illness and autism. Which autism isn't a mental illness, obviously. He's also really supportive of the cops and he's like oh cops are fine i don't think there's any police corruption uh, he's also he's also anti uh hydro hydroelectric power obviously talked about the last episode he's uh he's big into lol cow culture he's uh yeah he's he's really uh, he, he claims to be a centrist, and he's, he's, uh, he's, he's, genuinely, he just has some really horrible takes on stuff, like, like, really misinformed takes, and I, I just, I just, I, 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 I've seen this kind of thing happen before, um, a lot of corrupt people abuse their power, and I, I will maintain Encyclopedia's power structure is superior to Reddit's, and it's a better structure, but people can still abuse the system, and some rotten apples and bad actors can still get through. And that seems to be the case with Womi here. Uh, you know, just not not the best guy, not 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 even someone who like, not even someone who I think is is ignorant of the kind of screwed up shit he says he just says it because you know he, he knows he can get away with it everyone's got his back you know i i'm the i'm the good guy and nicholas is the is the flipping mentally ill uh, unstable tantrum thrower and i think he just he just has such an ego he just has such a high opinion of himself so yeah, that's not much of a surprise, obviously, that he's getting all the power and everything, and he's he's snagging the, the sweet, sweet uh, prestige and all the reputation. Um, not that I ever even wanted to be voted for admin. Like, it's a lot of work to, to run an entire website, but that's not surprising, really. And... I just wonder how uh, I just wonder how Kippy enjoys in contact with Womi all the time. Who has admitted that he considers people with autism like less than human and mentally broken, and doesn't understand what autism is or how it works. He's just he's just this misinformed doofus, and like he th he 
He says, these are his exact words. Let me see if I can find what he said on the Day of the Christian thing. He's an insincere nut job. Like, every, th every argument he makes is completely in bad faith. Is he does not mean anything he says. It's so sad. Uh, he's like he's like the literal definition of someone who doesn't know how to make an argument uh, that he actually like believes in, or maybe he does believe in it, but he really doesn't seem to. I think he just talks about things he doesn't understand. And he knows he doesn't understand them and has no right to talk on them. He's just like, well, you know. I, I, I can do it, so I will. And it always comes off as incredibly cringe. And uh, he's definitely not getting on the server anytime soon. He can, he can scream that I'm censoring him all he wants, but ultimately he has more power than I do because he's going to be the flipping admin of Encyclopedia, and I'm not. And I've left Encyclopedia, so, you know, he, he got to quit whining and realize that he's privileged and that he has a lot of privilege and a lot of power. And, you know have fun with it or whatever, but I'm not going to be involved in it. Uh, let me see. I'm trying to find this point where he's like, Oh, Christian got arrested for sex crimes. Hopefully your story doesn't end the same way. It's like, I'm asexual. I can't commit sex crimes. I have no sex drive. Like, how am I supposed to commit sex crimes if I don't even have any sexual impulses. It's not how it works. He's a complete moron. He just thinks, just because Chris Chan is a certain way, that's how all autistic people are. Fucking ridiculous. Uh, I'm, like, I'm like the flippin' anti-Chris Chan. I mean, I think, I think if me and Chris Chan came into contact, it'd probably be like matter and antimatter coming into contact. An explosion. Just to, just to flippin' destroy reality as you know it. I mean, I think I stand directly against everything Christian is. Like, he sucks. I don't suck. His comics are shit. My comics aren't shit. It can't get much more different than that. But I mean, you know, whatever. I guess Womi just doesn't understand what a lolcow is. I can't find the point where he says that, uh, like, hopefully your story doesn't end with you getting arrested and, like, getting manipulated by, I guess, someone from Texas Tech. You're so easy to manipulate. He just, he just has such a limited perspective, and it's so sad to watch someone like that in action try and come up with this, this piss-poor argument. Um, Kippy, I look forward to seeing him on next week's Q&A or whatever, because he usually, he, he seems to really argue in good faith. And that's something I think, uh, I think, well, really lacks when he's talking like, hey, do you, what are your thoughts on, on, what are your thoughts on, uh, how your comics are shit? Like, he, he, he really, he really asks, uh, an insulting question quite often under the guise of, wow, you, did you know your career's a failure and your life is trash? Well, I'm not trying to hate on you or anything. I'm just pointing out a simple observation. Ha ha ha! This is the most annoying. Oh yeah, the other th the the other one of his really b bad takes is that rich people don't commit any crimes, and the only reason anyone commits crimes is because they're in the slums and the ghettos. And 
he, he talks about East St. Louis like it's some kind of like horrible, like destitute garbage bin. He's never even been there, and he admits that he never walks around there. And if he walked around there, he'd probably just realize it's a perfectly okay neighborhood. Um, you know, I live in a big city, and I can't say any of any of the neighborhoods here in Denver have this exact same crime statistics as East St. Louis. Like, there's more crimes in East St. Louis, but you can't just walk around and accept the fact that there's some neighborhoods that are less fancy than others and just live with it. Then, you know, whiny baby, and he probably has never even been to this neighborhood, but he feels entitled enough to shit on its residents and, like, the people who work and live there and consider it a, f a fine spot, you know. It's just so insulting. That's very condescending viewpoint. Um, and he's like, well, I really feel sorry for the people who live here. And it's like... They don't want your pity, you frickin', you frickin' wackadoodle. They just want you to stop shitting on their neighborhood, because it's probably okay. When you get right down to it. I mean, sure, more murders might go on in a certain neighborhood. That doesn't mean the neighborhood is without merit. Or cool, cool and good things that are, that are better, you know, than that. I mean, he, he just, he just, he just can't seem to form an argument that doesn't involve just shitting on someone some group or class of people or some something like that so yeah i'd, I'd say i i kind of hopped on the end of a i kind of hopped on the end of uh encyclopedia being funny so that's pretty sad i recently uh i recently uh said in in potcher Re Re requiem scott which is a quote from the cask of Amontillado, because I think, uh, I think Encyclopedia, the golden age of what it was anyway, is pretty much over. And, uh, that, that's a real shame, but it, it was nice while it lasted. The, uh, the internet is fastly losing all its, all its, uh, big sites. The Something Awful forums, obviously, you have to, you have to pay a membership fee. And if I paid the fee, I'd probably get banned in, like, five days or something, so... You know, and they probably would not for a refund, so there's no point in that. I've tried posting on Ebaum's world, but they they don't, uh, you know, they have very stringent posting requirements. All 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 the good meme websites seem to be down. All the, you know, really big type uh, alternatives to Facebook and Reddit and whatnot. That said, it's 4:50, so it's time for the trivia question. Ask a trivia question. If it's answered in the next ten minutes, sometime, uh, then free comic. Uh, today's free comic that's going to be given out is uh, Abraham Lincoln Racist Killer. I, I don't think I've given away a free copy of Abraham Lincoln Racist Killer before. And the question being asked here is from uh, Herman the Hitchhiker. And uh, general knowledge, you don't have to have read series necessarily to answer it but uh the question is uh what what notable incident uh, is first seen in herman the hitchhiker issue four that being journey into the psychedelic realms you can just try try and guess if you haven't read it this is uh, like herman the hitchhiker's name herman jennings yeah all right. Issue 4, Journey into the Psychedelic Realms. 
notable incident happens in issue four of Herman the Hitchhiker. You can use the Nicholas Comics Wiki as a resource on this trivia question. I find it strange that so many people are like, "You made a wiki for your comics?" Well, yeah, I did because I can't I can't write a Wikipedia page about my comics, and I think I think it's important for information to be easy to access and look through. You know, I think information is good to have. Um, I think I think a lot of people have kind of backed away from making information on Nicholas Comics uh, readily available because I think all I want is attention, which is not the case. I could easily just get off the internet altogether and just exclusively sell my comics through the mail, but I like the internet. I think it's a good means of communication. I, uh, you know, I mean, I don't need attention. Again, I'm a mail-order cartoonist, not an internet cartoonist, so I don't have to rely on the internet in any in any fashion. Uh, from what I've seen, it's not even that good for, for advertisement, but, um, you know, whatever. I just find it strange that some people are like, wow, you're a narcissist because you made a wiki about your comics. And it's like, no, uh, it just means I, I, I enjoy having my, uh, you know, stuff uh, covered in any capacity because it's really not. And I think that's, I think that's uh, important. Anywho, Where's your um, uh, website? Website is uh, tinyurl.com slash Nicholas Comics. I've, uh, I've stopped putting that on the end screen of my videos for quite a while. I think the last time I did that was around 2019. Because I'm kind of trying to... I'm kind of trying to uh, focus less on the website aspect and more on the, like, mail-order aspect. So I, I put my address in videos more now. But the website's still up, and I do update it regularly. Whenever I release a new comic, obviously, I put a preview on there. I think it's fun, you know, to have a website and, and, and put stuff on there. But ultimately, I think um, when I say I have a website, people are like, where's the credit card button? I don't see a PayPal link up here. And it's like, no, it's just a website. It's just it's just pictures and text and stuff. You know, not all websites have have easy purchase options, you know. Um Nice website, though. Some people have been like, you should get a website from so-and-so, Wix or whatever, WordPress. And it's like, yeah, but all those have watermarks on them. And I prefer Google Docs because it has a more simplistic look to it. And, uh, and overall, I just think... I just think uh, Google Docs has a more uh, early look to it. There's no watermark. I think they might have added a watermark recently to it, but... Other than that, it's really, it's really a no-frills type software. And uh, I wasn't able to post it much on Reddit because they have these uh, stupid bots that filter out anyone, anytime anyone uses tinyurl, which I think is stupid because the link to my website, the actual link, is really long. So I used tinyurl for what it was designed for, which is convenience. But uh, they, they have, a lot of the subreddits have a bot that automatically filters out anytime you link tinyurl. Uh, so that's pretty stupid. What What's the uh, question again? What notable event happens in Herman the Hitchhiker issue for Journey into the Psychedelic Realms? I don't know if I'm going to get this one. You, you can try and guess. Um... 
but there's a lot of things that can happen. So I don't. Yeah, know there are start. a lot of things that can happen. Uh, it's four fifty-four. Six minutes left, and if you answer it correctly, you get a free copy of Abraham Lincoln, racist killer. Uh, here's a hint. It has to do with his. Uh, it has to do with his appearance in some way. I'm assuming yeah, his appearance changes something. But what? Yeah, it has to do with his like, uh, basically his, you know, how how he looks generally, and it it's a pretty big change that uh, is is notable because it first happens in issue four, and it lasts for like I think about three issues. It it lasts pretty long actually. I'm surprised Herman the Hitchhiker hasn't gotten bigger, considering that uh, there's a lot of stoners here in Colorado. You'd think they'd be into uh, a marijuana-themed type comic, but uh, I, 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 I had a, I had a Herman poster a while back. I'll probably hang it up. That that specifically has coupons that gives discounts on uh, Herman the Hitchhiker. It's a great series, and I have yet to make uh, Herman Interlude or the, any of the new Herman comics available in the catalog. Uh, but their their art is really nice. Nice ballpoint pen stuff. Looks excellent. Anywho, uh, four minutes left. What happens in issue four of Herman the Hitchhiker, Journey into the Psychedelic Realms, that notably affects Herman's appearance in some way? It's a pretty memorable issue in that regard. The only thing I can seem to find is that he grows a beard. But that's correct. Oh, <laughs> that's that's the correct answer. He grows a beard in Herman the Hitchhiker issue four, Journey into the Psychedelic Realms. You've just won a free copy of Abraham Lincoln, Racist Killer. How's that feel? That feels great, actually. I still another... I finally got um. The other comic today, so I need to get another free comic. You, you're really racking up the free comics here, so interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not always sure whether, whether there's the answer at the Nicholas Comics Wiki or tinyworld.com/slash Nicholas Comics. So there's really no way to tell. You know, it's, it's been an interesting week. Shane of the Undead is coming out soon. It's going to be a, an interesting parody of Shaun of the Dead, which I think is one of the worst zombie movies ever. The first zombie movie I saw was uh, World War Z and with Brad Pitt in, in theaters, and uh, it was really bad. So that kind of turned me off zombies. But then I saw, like, the good ones, like Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead and stuff, and I realized zombies do have potential. I used to just be like, zombies are stupid. They, they can't happen scientifically, and I like Frankenstein and Dracula. I used to not like zombies so much. Then I saw some George A. Romero stuff, and I realized, oh, zombies can, done well. My new comic, Shane of the Undead, is a great tribute to to zombie zombie type fiction and all that in general. And I I draw this. It's my it's my first time drawing zombies. They're a lot of fun to draw. They have they have a neat character design that makes them real 
really appealing. I think the zombies in uh, Shane of the Undead are a real crowd pleaser, and that'll be coming out October 31st, Halloween, along with a corresponding comic trailer. So currently it's October 2nd, so I really gotta really gotta get to work on Shane of the Undead. Currently it's 10 pages in out of 20, so I'm halfway through, and uh, that's exciting. Shane of the Undead is gonna be a real real uh, treat for zombie fans, uh, Edgar Wright haters, possibly Edgar Wright fans. I mean, I really don't take... I, I guess it's more of a critique of, of Edgar Wright's style than it is of uh, Britain's, so probably some British fellows will enjoy it. Then again, I, I do know Edgar Wright is, is treated like a national hero over there, so maybe not... Wright's movies just objectively aren't good. If he was American, I'd also be shitting on his movies, because they just aren't good. Um, but Shane of the Undead is going to be excellent, much like Rock and Marcus last year, which uh, took took some real shots at Rick and Morty. Um, Shane of the Undead is going to take some serious shots at Shaun of the Dead. I think that's the best type of parody, where you just really really deconstruct something to the point where it becomes a major laughing stock. I think the best parodies are of things that really aren't that great. People are like, well, Shaun of the Dead's already a parody of zombie movies, and it's like zombie movies are pretty good for the most part, and they don't need to be made fun of, especially the George A. Romero ones. Night of the Living Dead is great, and uh, the best horror movies. Night of the Living Dead's excellent. Anyway, that's going to do it for this week. Uh, officially October. It's officially a spooky season. I got a lot of spooky Halloween content on the way. And that's been the Nicholas Comics Q&A for this week. Your free comic will be out soon. All right. All right, excellent. Good questions this week. Do you want to be on the show? Join the Nicholas Comics Discord server today. I'll answer any questions you have. You can appear in the next episode. If you want to buy Nicholas Comics, write to Nicholas K, 1424 Columbine Street, number 1, Denver, Colorado, 80206. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you on the next episode. Oh, 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 oh,